Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 73. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and this week we're going to be talking about what should people getting started, uh, what should people be doing who are just trying to you know, start accumulating assets, especially younger investors. And so if you're not someone who's younger, this is something that you can share with, uh, with those folks, or maybe you yourself are, are just getting started. And so, you know, quite often I get asked questions or I get emailed or, you know, people uh, know what I do and they say, hey, you know, what, what exactly, if I want to get started, like what's the quickest way to, to make money? And unfortunately, you know, recently there's been some stories about people maybe using leverage and, and using futures or options. And I've been involved, you know, with, with managing portfolios and and using options for, I think I'm going on, you know, 26 years now. So uh, I guess I would be considered a, a professional in the space. And I can tell you that if you are someone who's just starting out and you think that you want to trade options, there's a lot to learn there. And options can be used... Uh, as a really good tool, but especially early on, I would not, I would not recommend, you know, starting off with uh, with options. And, you know, the the good news here is that if you look historically at, at markets, and you think about like as a as a young investor, or an investor getting started, or maybe you know you're you're trying to do something in your four hundred one k. There's sort of these. I normally people say it's accumulation and distribution phases. And in, in the accumulation phase, you're, you know, you're trying to compile assets. You're trying to build up your accounts to build up your net worth, those types of things. In the distribution phase, it's like, hey, now I need to start, you know, I'm not working anymore, or for whatever reason I don't have income, and I need to draw down start to draw down these accounts, and that's the distribution phase. And there's any number of rules for that. You know, we've talked in the past on the program about, you know, the whole 4% rule and the idea that, you know, a lot of people look at, oh, and, you know, if you have a million dollars, year one, you can take out 4%, which is $40,000. Um, but there's also this third phase, which I think is often overlooked, but it, it's a really important one, and that's for someone who might be in their maximum earning years, uh, might be in their 40s, you know, their 50s, kind of looking at, you know, at what point do they want to pull back, maybe not work as much, or maybe, you know, retire, do some other things. And that's, I got to come up with a better name for it, but I call it the, the base maximization phase. And I'll put a link to a free chapter from my book which actually talks about this stuff. And it goes through several different scenarios, um, both in average annual return. It also looks at contribution amounts, like how much you're putting in, um, you know, any, any number of things. Um, so I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, and that's from my publisher was nice enough to, you know, one of the chapters, of course, uh, Broken Pie Chart uh, is my book available on Amazon. You know, that's not the only good part. There's other good parts, uh, but I'll, I'll put a link to that as well. So when you think about like what it is you're trying to do, you're trying to accumulate net worth assets so that at some point you can have enough that you can stop working or have enough that um, you can start to draw income or, or do some different things. There's good news here. 
The good news is that historically, you know, the stock market has been um, a really good place. And it's been a really good place, you know, if you read, uh, and I'll link to his book, Jeremy Siegel's Stock for the Long Run, Stocks for the Long Run, sorry. You know, one of the things he talks about in that book is, you know, he, and he goes back um, and there, there's some there's some people who have critiqued that book as well. You know, he goes back 100, 200 years and, and uses some averages. And let's be honest, most people don't have 100, 200 years. <laughs> Obviously, you don't have 200 years. But um, over time, on a real return basis after inflation, um, you know, a lot of the data in that book points to using stocks. And at the end of, I think it was early January, I did a piece that I'll, I'll link to. And I just, I wrote an article and I, and I put, you know, a, a graph, um, just, you know, some, some bar charts. And one of the things I did was I showed the S&P 500, the total return, um, the compounded annual growth rate by decade. And remember, the, there's a difference between the, the CAGR, or compounded annual growth rate, and the simple average. And, and the easiest way I always explain this is, let's say you have a million dollars you lose 50%. Now you have 500,000. If you make 50% the next year, you're back to 750. You're not back to where you started. And so the simple average is, you know, plus 50, minus 50 is 0%, but that's, you're still down 25% on a cumulative basis. So the compounded annual growth rate, if you figure it out, it's about negative 13 point for something like that, I can't remember. I, I didn't do it before this broadcast, but that's your your average annual compounded growth rate. And so the good news is, you know, looking historically, there's only been, and I went back to the 1900s, there's only been two decades that had a negative return. And by the way, when I'm using total return, that assumes that you get the dividends, you own the S&P 500 index, which of course you can do with ETFs, right, or, or mutual funds, something like the SPY, or you know any, any number of companies like Vanguard and Schwab and all these, you know, they, and iShares they have these. But um, there's only two decades that were negative, and that was the 1930s. If you invested, you know, January 1st in 1930, and and you went all the way to December 31st of uh, you know, 1939, assuming December 31st is not a holiday, right? Last trading day. You would have had an average annualized compounded growth rate of negative 0.12%. So, you know, it's it's a lost decade, um, but it's it's not incredibly negative. At the 2000s, so January 1st, 2000 through um, December 31st, 2009, you would have had zero, negative 0 0.99%. So rounded, you know, your average annual compounded growth rate would be negative 1%. Now, you might say, okay, well, those are lost decades. And in a second, I'll tell you the, the really good news because most decades are pretty good. Remember that accumulation distribution base maximization phase? If you are in the accumulation phase, in a weird way, as you're putting money on a periodic basis into accounts, you actually don't want let me rephrase this. Like, you know, the market can reflect a good economy, growing, you know, um, growing wages. You can uh, talk about profits growing. But if imagine if you started, 
you know, just periodically investing, taking money out of every check, maybe like you do in a 401k, or you're just, you know, doing it. I'll talk about that in a little bit uh, on a periodic basis. You may, might be dollar cost averaging. That means, you know, you, you buy uh, systematically. But when the market's flat like that, if you're in the accumulation phase, you actually, that's good. Um, in fact, you'd like to buy at much cheaper prices because you get to buy more shares. If you have a flat decade, that's problematic for the person who's 10 years right before retirement because then they don't get that final, you know, if, if you average 7.2%, the assets, um, you know, would double over 10 years, right? Um, the rule is 72. Uh, you take 72 divided by your competent annual growth rate, and that's how many years to double. Um, and then the distribution phase, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it means as you're taking money out, you're not really getting any appreciation of the remaining assets. But during that phase, if you're a younger investor or someone who's looking to, to build wealth, those decades aren't that bad. The good news here is that, um, I'll just give you a couple numbers. I won't go through, I'll link to the article. But the 80s and 90s were, you know, 17.6% compound annual growth rate, 18.3% uh, respectively. And then the last 10 years, um, so not including this year, was up 13.33% um, positive, right? So you look at these decades, um, there's been 12 since the 1900s, and all but two were positive. And even the ones that, you know, there was a 5.67, a 5.8, a 7.7. Um, you know, most of those are positive, and that's really good news. So this is where we get into the power of compounding. And people say, um, what's the value of, of starting to invest and, and starting to invest early? Well, I'll just, I'll give you some numbers here. And I'm going to use some hypothetical numbers. You never know what you're going to actually get as your compound annual growth rate. But let's imagine your current balance was uh, was a dollar. So you're starting out with, with nothing. And imagine that, uh, you know, I'll do this over 30 years. Imagine over the next 30 years, um, you put in about, uh, you know, 850 bucks a month. Okay. And you might be like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, to give you some perspective, let's say if your salary was $60,000 and you put in 15% a year, um, that's only $750. Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say only. That's $750 a month or $9,000 a year. And you might say, well, I don't know if I could do 15%. Remember, a lot of companies have matches where they match up to a certain amount. It's a little easier than you think, you know, to get to the, the 15%. Um, but if, if, let's say, you did the 15%, and that includes, you know, any matching, so maybe your contribution was actually less, and then you do an extra 100 bucks a month. Let me give you the numbers here. Um, 30 years, 7.2%, starting out with a dollar, putting in $850 a month, right? That could be 401k, that could be other ways. Um, the compound annual growth rate winds up being a little over a million. In fact, 1,078,850. That's pretty powerful when you think about that. Um, and that's the idea of compounding. That's just the idea of compounding, okay? Now, imagine, let's say, 
uh, you're someone who's uh, a little bit further along and you're like, wait a second, I only have 10 years to go, but I have, you know, $500,000 right now in my 401ks. I'm about 10 years to retirement and you do the same thing. Um, it's it's going to be pretty similar. In fact, uh, over the next 10 years, you'll go from 500 to about 1.1, 1.2 million. Um, again, assuming a 7.2% annualized growth rate, compounded annualized growth rate, and putting in that $850 a month. And remember, it's easier than you think, especially if you're contributing to a 401k and getting a match. But I illustrate that. And look, a lot of stuff can happen. There's no guarantees. Of course, of course, of course, right? But I think it's really important to just point out just the power of compounding, the power of starting early. The more years you have, the better it is. But even if you never started, like get started tomorrow. So what about dollar cost averaging? What does that mean? Well, dollar cost averaging just means that instead of buying something all at once, if you're periodically contributing money, you know, the idea is that um, as share prices go up, you buy less of it. As share prices go down, you buy more of it. So Imagine every month you're putting 100 bucks in and you're, you're buying an exchange-traded fund that holds all the stocks that are in the S&P 500. So you're indexing, you've got all these shares, right? You're diversifying. And, you know, your, your 100, let's say that it's priced at 100. Well, if it's priced at 100, you're putting 100 bucks in, you're buying a share at a time. If it goes, if it loses half its value, it goes down to 50. Now you get to buy two shares. If it goes down to $10, you get to buy you know, 10 shares. If it goes to 200, now you're buying a half a share. And yeah, I mean, when you're doing funds and you're doing um, brokerage firms, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, you can actually buy fractional shares now. So the idea is that you buy less when it's high, buy more when it's low, and it helps you sort of average in over time. And a lot of people wonder, like, how would I even get started with that? You know, between Schwab and Fidelity and TD and Vanguard, and, and I'm probably missing a couple, any one of those firms, uh, if you're starting out, is going to be fine. Or if you know people, um, they're all good. Um, they all allow you to, you know, systematically draw money from, let's say, a bank account and have it invested at a certain time each month. Um, it will happen automatically. And before you know it, you, you won't even know that it's coming out. You won't even miss the money. And, you know, they all have apps. They all, you know, I haven't used all the apps. Like, for example, Schwab and TD, you can all log in and, and see that. But that's one of the recommendations I have if for, for especially people who are looking to build wealth. Why not periodically on a systematic basis and have it automated? They'll do that for you. For example, Schwab will automatically deduct your your bank account and put it into a fund that holds, you know, Apple and Microsoft and any number of things. Also, interestingly enough, I think Fidelity is doing now, but Schwab uh, has something called slices. So this is new. So you might think, well, I'm putting my hundred bucks in a month and I'd love to buy Amazon, but Amazon is like $2,500 a share. I can't buy a share of that. What Schwab is enabling investors to do now is you can actually buy in $5 increments fractional shares of, uh, of stocks. So in that case, if it's you know $2,500 for a full share, 
you could buy a slice, like a, a fractional share, like one whatever of, of 2,500. But I think their minimum is five bucks. So if you have five bucks, you can put it into Amazon, you can put it into Apple, you can put it into Exxon, you know, any, any of the Schwab, uh, the S&P 500 companies. And so, you know, I think this is an interesting thing. Is it better than just periodically indexing? Or, you know, choosing to put money into stocks, right? When you put money into a single uh, name, you've got um, non-systemic risk. You've got individual name risk, right? If they miss earnings or if the CEO gets arrested, any number of things. But that's available now. It's never been more easy to do that. And so when you think about that, um, you know, that's really, really powerful. The other thing that I, I would say is that um, if you're periodically investing and you're going into a fund or you're going into, you know, these fractional shares is, is when stocks pay dividends, it might only be pennies, right? Or it might be substantial, you know, depending upon how much you have. But I would recommend that you reinvest the dividends. What that means is whenever they, a company or a fund pays a dividend, uh, they go ahead and they take that dividend amount and they reinvest it into however many shares, even if it's a fractional amount, if it's not a full share, um, and so reinvesting the dividends is another good way. So, you know, there's, um, to give you an idea of that too, I mean, imagine, to go back to our example, uh, imagine you had, you know, 100 bucks today and, you know, you put only a, 100 bucks a month into something and you're going to get, and we got to assume uh, some type of rate of return here, I'll do the 7.2%. Again, it's not guaranteed, right? We don't know what markets are going to do, but you know, over ten years, a hundred bucks a month, you'll have seventeen thousand seven hundred five dollars if you get, you know, seven percent. Uh, if you get thirteen percent, like you got over the last de decade, you'd wind up close to twenty five grand. If you if you only got, you know, three percent, you'd wind up with about, you know, fourteen grand over that time. Right, and if obviously if the market went uh, negative compounded annual growth rate, um, you would, you know, you wouldn't make anything. But again, you're you're buying on a systematic basis. So if the markets went down, you'd be buying lower. So, and I know some of you are like that doesn't really sound like a lot of money. I I'd, I'd be much better off just, you know, putting my hundred bucks into options, which cost a penny or something like that. Um, I can tell you that's uh, the probability of making money on those is is going to be very low. Um, the, there's real power in compounding, starting early, doing it systematically. Um, and especially if you're doing it in a 401k, you're getting a match, or if you're able to up those amounts as you start to, you know, increase your salary and things like that. So it adds up and look, um, even, you know, I've had people say, well, should I save for a vacation or I want to buy a car and things like that? There's any number of things. Some people have, you know, multiple pockets uh, where they, they sort of earmark money for. And some people do a vacation fund where they put periodic, uh, you know, investments into one account and they say, you know, this is my vacation account and things like that. So the reason I bring this up is uh, I'm finding more and more um, and, I'm, and I'm pretty, you know, uh, passionate about talking to people and seeing and trying to have them see the benefits of getting started. And here's the thing too, even if uh, you're someone who's older and you've never started before, there's a lot of benefit 
I mean, someone who's 50 and puts periodic investments again, you're going to have more money than you would have had if you hadn't done it, right? Um, and there's there's real power in that. So, you know, this episode, um, last two episodes, we had some guests on. Uh, I may have a guest on next week as well. But this is a topic I get asked about a lot. And the other good news, too, is that, you know, places like Vanguard, TD, Schwab, Fidelity, right? Um, they've got a ton of educational content on their websites. And if you, you know, for example, um, let's say you went on Schwab's site and, and you wanted to open an account, like you, you can uh, chat with them, you can look at their materials. Um, but the, the things I think you want to look at are, um, you know, how, to, how do you open an account? How do you uh, periodically invest money into it? Meaning pull, set it up so that money comes out of your bank account into your brokerage account? How do you set up a systematic investment plan uh, or automatic investment plan, which is AIP? Um, it's just a, a different form that you fill out. And then what happens is the money comes in from your checking account or savings account, uh, goes to your brokerage account, and then uh, and then they'll invest it on a certain day. And you, you don't have to do it once a month. You can do it twice a month. You can do it. You know, There's any number of, of times you could do it. Um, and check out those fractional shares too. Um, remember, if you're if you're plowing money into one name, you've got, you know, just understand where the risk is. Um, but now, you know, let's say you have hundred bucks and you want to buy twenty different stocks at five bucks each and kind of spread it out across industries and names. You can do that now, and uh, with commissions at at zero. Uh, now, you know, it used to be if you bought one share of something and you paid a lot of commission. It would have to go up so much to break even, you know, because when you buy it and you sell it, there used to be a, a commission each way. So I'll put some links in here. I'll put a, a link to uh, to the free chapter of my book, which has a lot of different models for different rates of investment, like different savings rates, different returns. Um, you know, you can kind of, and you can see the difference, the power of um and here, I'll, I'll just do this one last one for you. Um, let's go back to our um, our person who has, you know, $500,000, right? And they say over the next, uh, you know, 10 years, they're not, they're going to put a no money in each month, right? So if you got, let's say you, you get like 6% compound annual growth rate over 10 years, your 500 would grow to 909,698. Okay, good, right? That's good stuff. But then let's say you put in $500 a month. And this could be, again, in, in your 401k or, or something like that. Um, you know, then it starts to get, you start to get not only the, uh, uh, the compounding effect, but then you also get the, the savings effect as well. Um, you go from 909 to 991. So almost an extra... Uh, but what where it gets interesting is, you know, if you had the 750 a month, now it's 1.032 million. If you're doing 1500 a month, uh, 1500 a month, or uh, you know, let's just do a thousand a month. You know, you're at a thousand seventy three or so, and that's getting six percent, right? So I just bring this up because it doesn't matter. Like even if you have assets, uh, you should still make sure and contribute in the 401k. That's the easy one, right? But uh, I'm a big fan of periodically contributing to investment accounts and that way a dollar cost average, but make it automatic. 
Um, I know well-intentioned people have said, I'm going to put a, an alert on my phone or I'm going to put it on my calendar. It's too easy to miss putting the money in. It's so easy right now, automatically deducted into your brokerage account and have them automatically put it into a fund. Just choose you know, an index fund or something like that. Um, plenty of those and those, those firms will help you out as well. So I'm going to call it uh, good here. Again, if, if you like the episodes or if you want uh, certain content covered or if you have an idea for a guest, you can start getting more, more guests on since people uh, seem to like those. Go ahead and uh, uh, I'll put the link to razorwealth.com and put, uh, go ahead and contact me. And uh, I like to get the comments and suggestions as well. Uh, instead of rating and starring and reviewing all that stuff, go ahead and share this with, uh, with somebody who you think might be interested, um, and especially if it's somebody who hasn't listened to podcasts. All right, folks, have a good week.